Good morning, and welcome to uh, COVID-19 week three uh, here at Eastside Church. We are so delighted that you would come and uh, join us online from wherever you are in the world. We've been overwhelmed, literally, by the response to our online stream and where you are and how you're listening and the devices you're listening on. And to those of you who last week kind of got past a technical glitch that we had, thank you so much for staying with us. Um, Just know that if anything like that ever happens again, we don't think it will, but if it does, uh, just stay with us. We'll be right back on the air very, very quickly. Today, we're going to continue our series called Conversations. And as I was looking at the particular passage from uh, John chapter 15 that we're going to look at today, my mind went back to a, to, to a summer here in Indiana uh, several years ago now when I was speaking up at Yellow Creek Lake Camp Meeting, which is a, a Church of God gathering in the northern part of our state. I I was there not to speak for the camp meeting itself on this particular year, although I've done that. It was a year when I was actually speaking to a group of middle school students, about 100 middle school students who had gathered for, for church camp, for youth camp. And they were full of energy and spit and vinegar, and, and they were just being every bit of all the energy that, that middle school, 7th, 8th grade boys and girls can be. I had to leave the camp to come here to Anderson for uh, one night and, and do some responsibilities here locally, and then I went back to the camp. Now, on the day that I left, everything was running fine, and while I was here in Anderson overnight, there were some storms that came through, but, but nothing that was out of the ordinary. But when I arrived back at the camp the next day, as I'm driving toward the camp, I, I, I see that, that there are trees that have been knocked over. And I, I pull up into the, the camp and I, and I look at the director of the camp. I said, what's going on? They said, you don't know. I said, no, honestly, I was back in, in Anderson. And they said, well, said a tornado came through here last night. And, and we're, everybody's safe, everybody's fine, um, but it was really touch and go for a little bit. In fact, the, the tornado touched down just a little ways from the camp, and, and the county sheriff actually drove out before it touched down and, and, and shared with us and, and told us to go take cover. And so we, we got all of the kids into the, into the dining hall, into the lower level, where they would be safe from the tornado. And that, that's when the fun started. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, one of those eighth grade boys just got so, so excited and so animated and so afraid that, that he fainted. And we, the camp nurse went over to, to take care of him. And, and then suddenly she looked over and a seventh grade girl fainted. And then another eighth grade boy, and then a seventh grade boy, and then an eighth grade girl. And, and, and suddenly, in the midst of 100 kids, we had 20 children who were on the ground. They had fainted, and the counselors and the nurse, and we're going from child to child to child, and the others are trying to help. And now you've got children crying, and you've got, you've got adolescents who are trying to fix everything. And, and it was chaos for just a few minutes. I said, well, is everybody okay now? Oh, yeah, everybody's fine. But it was really, really tough. And it was at just that moment when the director finished telling me that everybody was fine that I looked up and and here came a group of seventh grade boys who were proudly wearing badges that they had just created in their craft class for camp. And the badge said this, 
I survived the great fate of Yellow Creek Lake. And I, I looked at that and I thought, my goodness, you guys really did have an experience. Well, a global pandemic is a whole lot more serious than, than the fainting spells of a group of middle school students to us. But to them, that was about as serious as they had experienced in their lifetime. And today, around the world, there are people who are, who are asking themselves the, the legitimate question, how are we going to survive out of all of this? How are we going to, to see this new normal change the way we live? Maybe you've been at home now quarantined with your children, parents. And if you've got preschool kids or elementary age kids or some middle school kids, then you may be asking yourself the same question. How am I going to survive? This morning, I want to let you know, it is possible not only to survive, but it is actually possible to thrive in the midst of the struggles the struggles of everyday life, but even the struggles of this global pandemic. You see, we may not wear buttons, but we will have the assurance in our heart that we will survive. We will survive because of who Jesus is. On the night before he died, as I've told you before, the men who came into that upper room to sit and have the last meal, the last supper with Jesus, they came in expecting one thing, and they left understanding that the world was different, and it was about to be different because of what Jesus did. And in the midst of that time frame, during that evening before he gave his life for us, he talked with them, and I'd like to let you hear what he said about how you how you survive the struggles in life. And I'd like for us to take a few minutes today to, to let God's word teach us how we're going to deal with the struggles that we're walking through as the people of God in a world that's been turned upside down. Listen, here's what Jesus said. This is... My commandment, you love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, I want to stop for just a minute. I want you to understand what Jesus is talking about to the disciples. I want you to understand that, that what he's saying is not that there are people who hate you. There may be. He's not saying that, that there are people who, who are plotting against you. There may be. He's not even saying that, that, that this whole global pandemic is someone's attempt to control the world. I've heard those conspiracy theories, and so have you. Now, what, what Jesus is talking about to the disciples is that there's a, there's a deeper thing going on. 
Listen. If you are the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else has ever done, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and they hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, all he will bear, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to keep you from falling away. Jesus gathered the disciples and what he, what he wanted them to understand was that when the script flipped and the world changed and the struggle became very, very real, they should understand several things. One was this, following Jesus was always gonna lead them to the places where Jesus had been. Remember earlier he had said to them in, in this evening around the table that, that his commandment was that they love one another the same way he had loved them. He was modeling while he was here what it means to love people, but he was also modeling while he was here what it means to live in a world that doesn't love people. You see, there's a confusion in some of us about what it means to follow Jesus. Somewhere along the line, we've, we've come up with this idea that, that following Jesus means that we're never going to have pain and we're never going to have sorrow and we're never going to have difficult times. I, I'm not really sure where all of that theology comes from, where that mindset originates, but, but here's what I do know. It really doesn't follow the pattern of Jesus' life. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was ridiculed. The religious authorities argued with him. People were constantly undercutting his authority. People were constantly saying things behind his back and to his face. Jesus didn't come into the world and suddenly just make everything smooth and glassy and rosy and wonderful. No, even from the time he was born as a baby in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn, all of his life, Jesus faced the struggles. So if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to love the same way Jesus has loved us, then, then what we're called to do is to understand that, that following him means going in the same way he went, and it means encountering the same things he encountered. It means that we're going to survive when we understand that Jesus, Jesus walked through tough days too. And Jesus did it to show you and me and the whole world how it's done. 
Now, when he was doing it, he was trying to let people understand that when you encounter struggles, you're not the first one. I know this is, in our lifetime, this COVID-19 is, is perhaps the most dramatic thing we've experienced. But in the history of humanity, there have been other global pandemics. There have been other economic upheavals. And yet, in all of those, in every one of them, since the night that Jesus sat with his disciples and told them these words, there have been people. People who have followed the way of Jesus. People who have listened to his words and followed his example and lived the way he modeled life. Who have discovered that in the struggles, you can survive. But it means holding on to Jesus. So mom, dad, kids... Understand that, that where you are right now and the anxiety you're feeling, the tension you're feeling, and the, the rearrangement of your world, it's okay. Jesus is there. Senior saint who's worried about where you're going to get your medications or worried about how you're going to get groceries into your home or, or worried about your kids who are in another state, understand that, that Jesus knows. One of the dear saints that I've met in my ministry was a lady named Nell Skidmore in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And Nell's favorite song was a song that she had sung through some tough, tough times in her life. She had a, a son who died prematurely. She had some children who had wandered away from their relationship with Jesus Christ. She prayed for them regularly. And, and every time we, we would come together as a small group of people in that little church in Chattanooga, Tennessee on a Wednesday night, and I would ask, what song do you want to sing? Nell would raise her hand, and she would want to sing this song every time. It says, Jesus knows all about my trials. Jesus knows all about my Jesus knows, but I will trust him with everything I've got. This morning, you've got to know, you're not alone. Jesus is with you. He's in your house. He's in your job. He's in your setting. And he wants you to know that following him means encountering the same struggles he encountered with the confidence that he has already become victorious. But did you hear the other words he said? He said, you're going to do this in the world and you're going to face these struggles because at its core, the, the world is on a different agenda than I am. Now, I want to be very quick to tell you something. You see, the struggle that we're having, it's not because of an, another human being. It's not even because someone somewhere didn't report a virus at the time they should have reported it. It's not about any kind of conspiracy that happened in the world. No, no, we, we are watching the pain of the world because we live in a fallen world. Following Jesus means encountering the difficulties Jesus encountered because we live in the same fallen world. Do, do you remember the story from Genesis? Do you remember the, the, the account of how God made the world beautiful and God made the world good and God created us and he breathed into us and, and then this, this thing happened. Uh, this, this rebellion happened 
this conversation between the woman Eve and a serpent who lied, who said to her, hey, the reason God doesn't want you to to eat of the tree that produces that kind of fruit is because he knows that if you eat of it, you're going to be just as intelligent as he is. And the lie started, and it's never stopped. The lie is that is that you and I know more than God, or we can know more than God, and that God doesn't really care about us as much. See, that's where, that's where rebellion finds its source. And because of that rebellion, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is no longer the way God created it to live. And because we live in that kind of world, we are subject to the things that happen in this world. That's why there is disease, not just this disease, but all disease. So instead of looking out as if someone is after us or someone is out to get us or, or someone failed somewhere, maybe, maybe we need to recognize what Jesus recognized, that when you live as a member of the kingdom of God, as a follower who's been chosen by him, as one who's committed their life to Jesus Christ, you still live while you're in this earthly body. You still live in this earthly world. And it's a world that has fallen. It's a world that's in rebellion against its creator. Doesn't mean it's any less beautiful. It just means that that there's something not quite complete with it. And, And when we live in an incomplete, rebellious world, we become subject to the things that happen there. The Apostle Paul tried to sum it up. He he wrote it this way in a letter he wrote to some people in Rome in the first century. Listen, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters of God. The redemption of our bodies. We survive the struggle because the struggle has already been ended by what Jesus did on the cross and on that first Easter. Jesus modeled for us how to live as whole people in a broken world. And whenever we face the struggles, like the one we're facing now, it's not good for us to point fingers. It's not good for us to spend our time wondering why and how and who But instead, we recognize, as Jesus recognized, that there is a different set of values at work in the world. There's a different worldview in the world. 
In fact, I, I have to believe that, that we survive the struggle best when we recognize that, that in this fallen world, there's, there's a completely different set of values. There's a complete blindness to the activity of God. And there's an antagonism toward God that, that has no basis in reality. Now, I, I, I don't mean that for individuals. I'm not asking you to sit in your living room today or, or wherever you're watching us from and, and begin to kind of make a mental checklist of the people you know who are against God. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is that as followers of Jesus Christ, it should not surprise us when the values of the kingdom of God are different than the values of the people who don't know Jesus. When the people who don't know Jesus can't see what those of us who know Jesus can see. Jesus put it this way when he's talking to the disciples in verse 23 of John 15. He says, whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. You see, we, we live in this, in this fallen creation, in this broken world, where those who don't know Jesus, those who don't experience God, those who have yet to really understand that, that they were created in the image of God, that they've been chosen by God, that they've been loved by Jesus, and that Jesus walked this earth in order to model it. They don't quite get it. And so as a result, they, they don't recognize when God does something. When they don't recognize when when Jesus' love comes in because their eyes have been blinded to the activity of God. And yet, and yet Jesus kept loving them. Do you remember, for, for those of you who know Jesus, do you remember what it was like before you knew Jesus? Do you remember what you used to think about those people who went to church? Do you remember what you used to think about those those Christians in your community, in your circle. Sometimes the opinion wasn't that strong because we didn't see, we didn't know. Our eyes were blinded. Jesus says, look, I came into the world and, and, and I did things that no one else has ever done and they still didn't see. I loved them the way no one else has ever loved them. And they still didn't believe. But he kept loving them. Remember, he's saying these words to the disciples on the night before he's going to hang on a cross and die for the entire world. And do you remember what he said when he was on that cross? Do you remember what's connected to the fact that, that the, the fallen creation has a different worldview than the kingdom of God? Jesus, when he was on the cross, do you remember those words, those very powerful words? When he looked down at the people who were actually ridiculing him and opposed to him and mocking him and spitting on him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. My friend, 
we survive the struggles of life when we understand that the world we live in causes the struggles because of its own rebellion, because of its own blindness, because of its own lack of understanding that there is a God who created us and a God who loves us and a God who cares for us. But we also survive it when we figure out what it means to live in a relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of that world. You see, that relationship with Jesus is marked by the work of the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to forgive. Sometimes when I remember what Jesus said from the cross about the people who were taking his earthly life, I think to myself, well, sure, he's Jesus. He can forgive anybody. But then I remember that story over in the book of Acts of a man named Stephen who was not one of the 12 chosen. He was one of the leaders of the church chosen by the church to help in the distribution of food to the widows. He began to speak about who Jesus was with such a passion and such a fervor that that fallen creation manifested itself again in a group of people who were stoning Stephen to death. And it was Stephen who said those same words Jesus said when those people were taking his life, not by hanging him on a cross, but by throwing rocks at his body until his body was bummeled and beaten to death. It was Stephen who looked up to heaven and said, Father, don't hold this against them. They don't know what they're doing. And what always blows my mind is that standing in the crowd, holding the coats of the men who were throwing the rocks, was this Pharisee among Pharisees named Saul who would become the Apostle Paul. And on that day, when, when Stephen is giving his life and sacrifice, Saul is in agreement. Saul is blinded. Saul is in the power of the fallen creation. And Saul is looking on and, and he's seeing it. And then he hears those words. It didn't change him overnight. But... I am absolutely positive that he never forgot those words. And when he met the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus, he discovered the power of the love of Jesus. Because you see, a relationship with Jesus that is marked by the work of the Holy Spirit, as it was in Stephen and as it can be in you and me, it gives us the strength of Jesus' love and the power of Jesus to hold us in the midst of the struggle. This is a struggle. Our world has been turned upside down. There is no thinking person who can make light of the differences that are in the world in just a few short weeks. Some of you who are listening to me have lost your jobs. Others of you are anxious that you will lose your job. Some of you who are listening to me have loved ones who are in need and you can't get to them and, and that anxiety is driving you to your knees in prayer. Some of you who are listening to me 
are caught up in the angst of a world turned upside down. And fear keeps grabbing at your soul. But you have to remember, Jesus came to cast out fear. Multiple times throughout the scriptures, you will hear Jesus saying these words, fear not. How can you say fear not when you live in a fallen world and brokenness is all around you? When people don't see what God is doing, you can, you can say fear not when you understand that the Holy Spirit is at work in that fallen world, at work in your life and my life. You can say fear not when, when you understand that the love of Jesus is greater than the hatred of the fallen creation. You can say fear not when you understand that the Jesus who forgives us is the Jesus who holds us in the midst of the struggle. There was a day when Jesus was walking through Jerusalem on a Sabbath. He encountered a man who had been born blind. The people who were traveling with him asked Jesus a pretty simple question. They thought. They said, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned that this man would be born blind? Was it a sin that his parents committed and he's paying the price? Or was it a sin that somehow he committed? For you see, the Jewish doctrine at that time taught by many of the rabbis was that, that you could actually sin while you were still in your mother's womb. I'm not really sure how that logic connected, but they had it connected and the culture believed it. If there was something wrong with you, if something was fallen, then it was broken and fallen and wrong because of something you did. And Jesus, Jesus did the most amazing thing. He said to them, this man is not blind because of his sin or his parents' sin. He is blind so that you could see the glory of God at work in a fallen world. And he reached out and he healed the man born blind. I don't think it's too far of a leap to say to us, enduring the impact of COVID-19 in 2020, that these things were not caused by someone's sin, but these things, the product of a fallen creation, are here so that we can see the glory of God and know that no matter how broken and fallen, God is still God. Jesus still loves us. And the Spirit of God is still at work calling us. We will survive. We will thrive because of who Jesus is. This morning, I, I, I want to ask you to, to close our time together by praying with me. I, I want us to pray for the healing of our world, for the physical healing of all of those who have contracted the COVID-19 virus, for the healing of the woundedness 
and the pain of bereavement for those around the world who have lost loved ones to this disease and those even within our own state and region. I want us to pray for the healing of those who are sick and the healing of the hearts of those who have lost a loved one and for the healing of everyone who has been impacted. And when we do, I also want us to pray for our own healing, that God would be glorified in the way we respond as the children of God, living in the kingdom of God, encountering the brokenness of the world. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in living rooms and kitchens and apartments around this world right now, we cannot physically come together, but we do come together as your people. Holy Spirit, you are present everywhere people are watching this. You are present at whatever time of day they're watching it. And so right now, I ask you to do for us what Jesus did for a man born blind. Remind us that the things we encounter in a broken world can be healed so that you let us see the glory that comes from you and for you. Right now, I ask you to reach into to hospital rooms. I ask you to reach into homes. I ask you to reach into places where people are fearful and where their bodies are broken, where anxiety rules the day. And I ask you to bring healing and wholeness and completeness. Lord, I, I ask you to bring that same healing to the anxiety and the fears of the first responders and the nurses and the doctors and the technicians. I pray that you would bring that same healing to their loved ones who watch them walk out the door and wonder what they will bring back with them when they return. Lord, I, I pray that, that you would that you would heal all the brokenness and all the sinfulness and that out of these changes we would discover again what it means for you to be glorified, that we would discover again what it means that you will hold us. Too many times we've, we've listened to the world and we've, we've rebelled along with it too many times we've wanted the answer for ourselves and we've not allowed ourselves to see what you're really doing and we've actually rebelled against you without a just cause. So forgive us for that. Heal us for that. And Lord, remind us of the way you taught your disciples to pray. When you taught them to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today, this day, our daily bread. 
And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we go today, I want to invite you to a couple of things. Some friends of mine, some pastor friends of mine, on the East Coast and the West Coast have taken note of the fact that that prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray is recorded in the Gospel of Luke in the 11th chapter and the second verse. And so they are asking many of us around the country, and I would invite you to join with us every day at 11.02 to simply pray the Lord's Prayer and to pray for the healing of those who've been impacted by COVID-19 in whatever way they've been impacted. I would invite you to take a few minutes wherever you are, whether you're at work or, or whether you're at home, and to pray that Lord's Prayer and then to ask God to bring healing. Our belief is that if all of us do this together, God will use the prayers of his people to bring healing to his world in spite of our rebellion and in spite of our brokenness. The other thing I want to let you know is this. If you want to know more about how you can be a part of the ways Eastside is responding to our community here in central Indiana, then I want to encourage you to download our app and, and to fill out a connect card there to sign up for our at Eastside email uh, blast that goes out. If you're already signed up on it, I, I want to ask you to do me one other favor. Uh, we're going to be in this online worship format now for a few more weeks. In fact, we've, we've already made public the reality that through the month of April, we're going to continue to gather on this way to worship together every Sunday morning at 9.15, and then we will rebroadcast throughout the day and you can find it at es.church backslash live stream or you can find us on Facebook live but what I, I want to ask you to do for those of you on Facebook I want to invite you to share the link to that share it with your friends for those of you who watch us through the es.church website you're going to receive an email this afternoon with a link to that um, and we're going to invite you to share that email with some of your friends. It's come to our attention that, that many of our sister congregations are not able to stream live the way we are able to stream. And, and there, that many people of God are kind of floundering around looking for how they find spiritual encouragement during this time frame. And so I want to encourage you to be an agent of grace, to be an agent of God, and to share what you're finding here in worship with your friends electronically. I, I want to encourage you to, to let them know where they can at least watch one place where we promise you we're going to lift up Jesus Christ so that people can discover the hope for the world. And we will survive. We will not simply survive. As the people of God, we will thrive in the midst of the struggle. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you.